Hi, I'm Phoebe Rubin, and I'm 73 years old. And I'm Erica Tanamachi, and I'm 40. We are making a documentary about working women over 70 called Work While You Have the Light. This podcast profiles many of the women we've met along the way who continue to innovate and contribute to our society. They are artists, designers, store clerks, doctors, teachers, dancers, and more. They surround you in the grocery store, they sit next to you on the bus, and often go unnoticed. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Today, we get the great pleasure to interview Cherie King. Cherie was born and raised in Berkeley, California. She is the executive director of the Berkeley National Junior Tennis League. Since the league's inception, they have coached thousands of youth from ages 5 through 12. Cherie has over 30 years experience as a recreational tennis player and 15 years as a coach, manager, and tennis league commissioner. She also is executive director of her family nonprofit, Operation Pride, where she runs the tennis tournaments and programs through the Berkeley National Junior Tennis League. Cherie holds a BA from Sonoma State University with an emphasis in elementary education, a vocational certification from UC Berkeley, a paralegal certificate from St. Mary's College, and an advanced project management certification from Stanford University. In addition to tennis, Cherie's career varies from being a flight attendant to a paralegal to a teacher to an IT project manager at Kaiser Permanente. Cherie is a natural-born leader who has lived a life of service to her community. She is truly an inspiration for us all. We are so grateful to have her with us today to talk about her life and work. Cherie is 73 years old. Welcome to Work While You Have the Light, Cherie. We're really happy to have you with us today. During this long career that you've had doing so many different things, were there any role models or were there people that inspired you to make the choices that you did? I come from a family of women who were, number one, opportunists. They took advantage of opportunity. My grandmother was a high-level member of the National Council of Negro Women. Her best friend was Dorothy Hyde. My aunt was the president of the NAACP, Oakland chapter. My mom was involved in uh, the juvenile justice system. My uncle was a PO and I had two judges. So at our dinner parties, we just talk, talk, talk. So I had a well-rounded uh, ability to understand change. One of the things that my grandmother told me when I graduated from high school, she said, baby, I don't have any money because civil rights is experienced, but I will give you opportunity. When she said, give me opportunity, that was all I I needed to open up the door. So all of my, all the women in my family were progressive. My aunt Ruby, she was the first woman in an insurance company to have her own, um, I'll say, office. And and when I was younger, we would go down and file all those cars alphabetically. (laughs) My other aunt, uh, she was a teacher, an elementary an elementary school teacher, and she went back and picked up her master's degree. Everybody in my family moved forward in education because at that time, we believed that the way to do it and to get where you wanted to go was through education. So I had many Absolutely. role models. The biggest role model, though, was leaving America. <laughs> really? Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, what happened was when I started the class for World Airways, I noticed that all the African-American 
were getting low grades. So coming from the background that I came from, I said, hey, let's turn my house into a study hall. So we all came to my house, we studied, and we all passed with high colors. After that, my first flight, I just cried. Oh, my goodness, I'm leaving America. When I landed in Paris, I said, what the heck am I crying about? (laughs) 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 From that time on, I really began to feel the fire in the belly because so many people from around the world, they would say, you know, Cherie, you don't realize how powerful African-Americans have been in the movement of civil rights. So when I went there and they told me these stories and I talked to them on a family basis because what I would do is... I would partner myself with individuals who worked in the hotels for safety. They would take me to their homes and we would sit down and have dinner and talk. And that's how I had a whole different outlook on America. So when I came home, I remember what my grandmother said. I'm giving you opportunity. And the opportunity was there. So I worked for Hill Business College for like four years and I taught vocational training to students and I taught them the breakdown in life and education, the side that where you have income and the side where you don't have income. And therefore, what happened is it gave them a roadmap on why they want to stay and continue. So my life has been evolving and evolving and evolving. And now, since I'm in the game of tennis, I'm doing the same thing with five to 11-year-old kids. I'm talking to them about the game. And what this game does is it allows you to, number one, build a life, have a social life, get good grades in school, and at the end of the day, play in my tournaments and you will get a reward. (laughs) Can you talk about the the Berkeley Junior National Tennis League and just who the program is designed for? Who are these children? The Berkeley Junior Tennis League is a USTA Junior Tennis League. Basically, it's a community-based program because I was raised in Berkeley and I played at San Pablo Park. I looked at those tennis courts that my grandparents had donated money to the city to add on to extra courts because my uncle was a player. That's when I really got involved in tennis and didn't understand. Every Sunday we would go to watch his matches and I'd run on the court and I would hit the ball all hard and I'd say, "Uh uh-oh, I don't know the rules. (laughs) (laughs) So that's where it really started. As a result, he played all over the all over the Bay Area. He was a very um, my grandfather had his own business, so he had the ability to get allow him the freedom to play in these matches. Then all of a sudden, we partnered up, and once we partnered up and we started doing these tournaments, I began to see the another side, and the side was community based programming was not in the city of Berkeley. So the first program I started, as I said, is called the Cherie King Tennis Program, and what I had is I had twenty five to fifty kids from Berkeley come and play. Cherie, so can you talk a little bit about some of the children that you did um, work with um, and how tennis affected their self esteem? When I first started, I had a large African-American program group. They are all now either in college or they are on the road to becoming a success. Some of the kids would come in and say, I'm having problems with my daddy. (laughs) He broke up with me. Him and my mama broke up. What do I do? I said, well, the first thing you want to do is go to the wall. (laughs) After he went to the wall, popped out that frustration, fell right back in line. Then what happened is the child began to learn how to process uncomfortable feelings. Cherie, mm. can you define success and what success means to you? 
You know, success means to me is looking at your life as an opportunity to do whatever you want. You can sit at home and brew. Fine. Keep it short. (laughs) If you're depressed, cry for 30 minutes. Otherwise, your face blows up. (laughs) So what I do is I realize that, number one, you're going to be depressed because that's the way life is. I do have a psychiatrist and I think everyone should have one. So I look at bouts of depression like a common cold. You know, you have them, they hit you, you don't know when they're going to hit you. You think that something that happened 20 years ago is not going to hit you. But if you have a mental health program in your life, what happens is you say, "Uh uh-oh, it's time for me to call my man. Dr. Ruben Ruiz has been my therapist, I'll say my psychiatrist, for over 50 years. So what happens is you keep that relationship You keep your life private and you move forward in a constructive environment that allows you to whirl through and say, it's okay. Yes, you've been disappointed. It's okay. Yes, this didn't happen right. It's okay. You are still able to move on. It's really a beautiful thing to hear. You know, it's this very optimistic process that it's always processed. Like, yes, you're going to need a therapist today and maybe you don't need it tomorrow, but you might need it again in a year or, you know, and to be open to that is what I'm hearing. And would you see, would you see your coaching and your teaching almost, you know, like tennis is, is almost, almost seems like it's a vehicle for you to, to teach life skills. That's what tennis is. Tennis is life skills. What are you most proud of, Sheree? Uh, I'm proud of myself because, number one, I have walked through life. Good times, bad times, good lovers, bad lovers. Guys who were supposed to marry me, guys who didn't marry me. You know, I never got married. (laughs) I never got married because I was living. (laughs) When I came back from around the world, I was bored. I said, "Uh uh-oh, wait a minute. What am I going to do? I'm so used to being in Paris on one week. Spain and another. I used to buy all my cheese in uh, Germany. Oh, wow. (laughs) When I saw Lucille Ball, I said, I could be a comedian because we all have that in us. My father was a performer. Maybe that's where I got it from. He was a performer at the Apollo Theater, and he would be the opening act because he was a tap dancer. So we had to perform all the time. (laughs) I was going to be a comedian, (laughs) but I said, God, you know what? They're sitting in a bar, smoky, they're lonely. (laughs) Mm, Most of them are jumping off the building. I'm like, maybe I don't want that. (laughs) So I said, (laughs) you're too much of an optimist to be a comedian, probably. (laughs) (laughs) So I said, well, wait a minute. I think what I'll be is a teacher. If I get a teaching credential, I could be a comedian in the classroom, and that's what I did. And and I would add also that you you just decided to show up. That no matter what obstacles were, no matter what was going on around you. You just really listen to your own heart about what was the right way for you to go. And I think that that is really important for all women to hear, no matter what age they are, that you just have to listen to your own heart and you have to trust your own self. And it sounds like you did both of those things. You know, when you fly around the world and you're all by yourself and you're two hours from a phone call, you trust yourself. They didn't have cell phones when I was flying. Mm-hmm. I had to wait two hours. Hey, Bob, what's going on? I'm scared to death. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down, Sheree. <laughs> so I hope that when you play this, that women realize you already have a job. 
The job is life and the job is your family and the job is you. So what you want to do is pay for those dreams that you have and then you will survive. And then you'll have the fire in the belly like I do. And then you will have fun. Do what you want to do to make you have fun. That's what it is. The job is life. I, I love that's that. The job and is have life. Fun. And the Don't job, take it personal. Don't right. say I'm beat up. Don't say I'm black. Well, you know, there's a lot of immigrants here who aren't black and they're living worse than you are. So you find something in what you're able to support, you know, get what you're able to support. That's really great advice. Thank you, Cherie. We usually finish this with, um, there was a show called Inside the Actor's Studio, and it was hosted by a man who interviewed mostly writers and directors, producers, and, and, and celebrities. Um, but they asked some nice questions, and so we're, we're borrowing from them um, t- today. So the first question is, um, what is your favorite word? If you were to have a favorite word, what would that be? My favorite word is no means I don't have enough information. If somebody tells me no, I have not given them enough information to move to my answer or what I would like. So no means I have not given up enough information for them to give me what I am asking. So I don't take it personal. That is fantastic advice. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what, what would you say is your most marked characteristic? I choose to be happy. You know, life is a choice. You can either choose to take the wrong path or you can choose to say, okay, it's happened. What can I do? So what? Move on. There's always a silver lining. When one door closes, another one opens up. And you'd be surprised when it opens up. What would, if you had taken another path in life, although you have taken several, (laughs) um, (laughs) what, if it wasn't tennis, what do you think it might have been? You know, I wanted to be a mother, and I couldn't be a mother. (laughs) So just look at the reality, you know, just live. You know, this is, you only get one time. You know, you really don't. You get one time, and you have to take advantage of every day. We also like to close the podcast with um, an inspirational quote or poem that you may have. You know, I'm really into Nina Simone. Oh, I love Mm, Nina Me too. So I'm going to say my quote is going to be by Nina Simone, and it says, I tell you what freedom is to me, no fear. (laughs) Oh, great. You got to have, you got to walk through that door. Yeah. You got to say no means I don't have enough information. Can, can you say the Nina Simone quote one more time? I tell you what freedom is to me, no fear. I get that from skiing. When I first started skiing, I used to take the bunny slopes. Then I learned how to ski the fall line. And that's when you say freedom has no fear. Because once you learn how to ski the fall line, there is no death that you are unable to challenge. You just make sure your turns are shorter. <laughs> Hmm. And you go back to the basics, the snowplow. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Oh, Sheree, thank you so much for taking yes. this time yes, to speak with you. us today and yes. share yeah. your history and, and your life philosophy. It, it, yeah, so women over 70, do what you want to do. This podcast is produced by Phoebe Rubin and Erica Tanamachi. 
Original music composed by Jose Gonzalez Granero. Thank you for listening and we look forward to sharing our next conversation with you.